Hello, geeks, sweaters, and birds of a feather. To those who sweat because it's geeky, and those who geek to get sweaty. This is your show with news, views, and some interviews. We watch films to save you the hassle. Welcome to Geek Sweat! Today we are presented by the advantageous, all-knowing Akosh Bolf. Hi guys. And we are co-presented by the terrible Trevor Jones. Hi. Thank Sorry, you. I meant to say terrific. It just came out as terrible. Yeah, they're <laughs> next to each other in a dictionary. I, I believe so. Easy mistake. We are also co-presented by myself, the domineering Dominic Stinton. And as always, we are controlled by the marvellous MKH. Oh, I blew that. Can we do that again? Can I have another kiss from you? I'm glad I didn't get a kiss. Because um, Dominic introduced me, that's why. Okay. I'll have to go on the introductions next time. You can have a kiss next week. But today we have a very, very special guest. Joining us today is actress and writer Michelle Coverley. Hi, guys and girls. <laughs> Just opened the window to Michelle's fans who are standing outside the building. Thank you very much for coming along, Michelle. We really appreciate your time and being our first guest, and I think first female guest, and first actress as well on our actor. Actor, actor. Yeah. Shall I do that again? Joining us today is actor and writer Michelle Coverley. Thanks. Yay! And our first. you saying Trevor like the, the crowd kind of blurred you out um, yeah the crowd the, yeah you need to close that window because yeah. like the crowd are making so much noise outside yeah. but um yeah we're saying this is the first uh female that we've had on our interview panel and also our first actor so thank you again that's two firsts and um our first um new producer as well I think as well so um we have questions for you uh so we were looking to Akosh to kick us off. Yeah, just a couple of easy questions. Um, can you tell us uh, who were you before you became an actor? Actress? Act- how can you say? Actor. Actor, yeah. Who I was before. Yes. Well, I was still Michelle. I <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, using your re- real name. But I... Um, I mean, I, I kind of done like a lot of kind of different types of performance. Um, I've done a lot of like other little jobs, you know, to supplement, um, so I can continue trying to be creative and perform. So um, I've been like a circus performer, trapeze artist in Japan, and um, like toured around like Asia and. How came is this Japan things? Because why not? I don't know. America, Australia, yeah. something white, Japan. Well, I was out there before I actually did my circus training. I actually went out there to get money teaching English because uh, I found out that you could get quite a lot of money out there. Okay. <laughs> and, um, so it's like the golden yen. So it's yeah, good. basically. Okay. And then I, um, yeah, I literally just did that for uh, a couple of years to save up money for my circus course. And then I came back to the UK, did my circus course, 
but really loved it out there, hadn't finished with it, needed to get out of my system, so I went back and then um, I carried on living there and then started my performance career out there as well. So, Can I ask, what circus skills do you have? Because when I think of circus, because I think of the man in a leotard picking up the barbells or like yeah. fire breathing. And they stuff have that like. kind of stuff, yeah. <laughs> and which parts do you do? Uh, well, I didn't do that because I didn't have enough chest hair, so um, <laughs> I did um, trapeze. Okay. Well, I learned trapeze, um, aerial, you know, so uh, the aerial hoop, um, rope and things like that. Okay. Um, and then I did like some acrobalance, acrobatics, yeah. um, and then everyone learned, so I was still walking. Sure. Um, I wasn't very good at juggling. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So I... Um, I'm not good at any of those things no. you mentioned. So. I mean, I can, it's actually easier to juggle three balls than two. Okay. So I can kind of do that a little bit, but then they all kind of start to drop around me. But, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, but now I, um, I gave up um, the hardcore kind of aerial stuff when mm. I moved back um, from Japan about um, 10 years ago um, because I really wanted to get back into acting. Mm. Um, I, did my, um, I did like a music video out in Japan, my very first mm. music video, and um, it was my first time actually acting in front of a camera. And normally I did kind of just live stuff. Mm. So, um, and I just got like a massive buzz Mm. with yeah film so I just had to kind of come back and start doing that so okay. and um, what was the moment where you know you you want to be an, an actress or want to do this film film parts not the um, circus? circus I like literally from when I was really young I always wanted to be an actor actor basically um, but then I kind of I did my training um, and then kind of read this book that um, I think it's like Anne, Anne, Anna Shear or something. She runs like a, a children's school in Islington. And um, I read her book when I was younger and they said that if you learn a different kind of skill to stand out, then you'll have a better chance of maybe making it as an actor. So I was starting to get really interested in the circus. So I thought that would be quite a good skill. But then I kind of did it and realized I really liked it. So then I just carried on with that for a bit and then and then kind of went back to it. So I'd always actually just really want to be an actor, to be honest. Well, I kind you of you never did any school? You never did any acting school? I did like, um, I, I studied, you know, I had like a lot of like classes and things like that out of school. And um, I did like, I did my drama degree, dance and drama, um, oh. like quite a few years ago now, but yeah. Um, <laughs> quite a few years ago yeah. <laughs> um, but then I just kind of took time out and then backpacked and went to Japan and just loved it out there so just continued living out there for a bit and then but finally got back into it again so yeah hmm. I always wanted to be an actor <laughs> okay next, next question um, okay I think we, we, we go through this <laughs> Yeah, um, could you tell us about your first acting job, maybe? God, what, like, paid acting job, or like, um, or just unpaid? I mean, a lot of it is unpaid. Um, <laughs> well, let's say your out. first paid acting job. To be honest, I can't really remember. I mean, like... There was a I mean, video of what you... Yeah, well, music videos and stuff. I mean, it's not necessarily acting, but kind of acting. Yeah. Um, it was like a music video in Japan for this um, really famous Japanese artist, female artist called um, um, Hamazaki Ayumi. Okay. And 
apparently now she's not as famous in Japan but she pretty much was like a Michael Jackson mm. of Japan right. and I did quite a few music videos with her and, do people recognise you in Japan? Um, I like not really but I went to this like uh, music festival and I'd actually done another music video um, in my stilk costume you know <laughs> and so when I was performing at this music festival in you know on my stilts um, this Japanese guy came up to me and said, "Oh my God, you were in this other video!" And I was like, "What? That's crazy!" So that was that was kind of cool, but that's like the only time. <laughs> wow, it is cool. But it was yeah, it was pretty good fun. So yeah. And do you ever use your circus skills in your acting jobs now? Um, not really. I mm. mean, like it it can open doors to me because you know, like they see my CV and I've done that kind of stuff. So. Um, you know, they kind of, they find that interesting, you know what mm. I mean? So they want to find out more. So yeah, maybe I stick in their minds a bit more. So maybe the Anna Share School was, yeah, the book that I read was actually, yeah, it kind of got me through the door a little bit, so. <laughs> I mean, there's quite a lot of Anna Share books. I mean, yeah. was it one called First Act Drama Kit? Or was I don't it know, it was ideas? like a long, oh yeah, it was the first act when, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Oh, it was called First Act Drama yeah. Kit. Yeah, okay. that's it, yeah. And what drew you to that book? Was that recommended or were you just farming through things in the library? No, she was just famous um, mm. when I was growing up for, like, if you want to be an actor, she, you know, to go to her school would be amazing because yeah. all the child actors then, they're all in EastEnders and all that kind of stuff, and okay. we all come from her school. So, so it's the prestige of just yeah. being, learning from that same pool yeah, of talent. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and speaking of pools of talent, is there like an actress, sorry, is there an actor that you, I've got to get out of the habit of this. Uh, is there an actor that you admire at the moment or an actor that you admired then that got you into the profession? I mean, I'm really bad with these kind of questions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really can't remember names. I'm hopeless at names, Yeah. basically. Um, yeah, so literally my mind is like completely blank. <laughs> is there anyone that you admire now in terms of like... I think because I've, um, I've just done my first um, short film, mm. um, I'm kind of at the moment more in the mindset of a filmmaker okay um so like you know lots of directors and stuff yeah like are really quite yeah i kind of look up to at the moment you know sure yeah well the thing i want to ask next then is um at what point did you decide to become the triple threat of being an actress writer and producer yeah definitely a triple threat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty intense to be honest um I kind of, kind of got like pushed into it, to be honest. Really? Because as um, as an actor, um, especially as a female actor, um, and someone who's like not twenties, you know, um, there's really not that many good roles out there. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, everyone says like you have to create, create it yourself. Mm. And I really didn't want to do this. And yeah. my. Um, my acting um, agent, she actually suggested me to uh, write uh, a little short um, thing for my show. Okay. You know, so um, I kind of wrote a scene and my flatmate at the time, um, she was an actor, um, director, and she encouraged me to make it into a short. And mm. really didn't want to do it, but actually then thought, okay, it would be best to kind of like make contacts um, through the process of um, making the film and producing it so mm. I wrote my short 
So, Michelle, can you tell us a bit more about the background and inspiration for your short film, which I believe is called The Wick? Yes, yes. So, um, as I said, um, my agent asked me to write, you know, like a little thing for my showreel, and she said that um, I'd be very good in period drama. So, I basically um, went to this, like, um, film mini film festival, and I had a a friend that um, her... Um, short film that she directed was in that and it was um, uh, she's called Aurora Fernley, a great filmmaker and actress at the same time and she um, she made this um, short film and it was like these two women in period um, clothes in and the was forest. that something you were interested in before like period drama was that on your list um I mean, I'm I'm really up for being in anything. To be honest, I think like I think most actors are. I mean, period drama drama is great, depending on what kind of like period it is, you know. Because it's just like when you're filming, you kind of get sent back in in time, you know. It's fantastic, you know. But I just thought that it would be quite an easy concept and quite cheap if you film in a forest. But then I actually started to research it, and you, you know, all these forests are getting you to pay all this money. <laughs> so actually, I realised it wasn't actually going to be that. Cheap. Yeah, yeah it's um, not no electricity in the in the wood. Yeah, especially that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I kind or of toilets. <laughs> not not toilets. Yeah, so I literally just kind of I went to sleep with that kind of foresty thing in my head. Mm. Woke up with, I don't know. I just had this idea in my head about witches or witchcraft. And do you know where it came from? It was just like no, inspiration. Literally, yeah, literally just in my head when I woke wow. up. So that's it's a bit that's weird. great though, isn't it? It's a bit weird, yeah. Well, it's a gift. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of, um, I started to uh, Google um, famous witch trials in the UK mm. and uh, came up with a few different ones and really um, was quite attracted to this one where it was based on a reverse witch trial because most of them, all the women were killed. Um, and it was, um, so my film is set 73 years after the law on witchcraft was repealed. Um, and it's about this uh, woman who starts to get hounded by her community thinking she's a herbal healer and they all think that she's doing like you know black magic and killing all the people in the you know um, in the village because you know there's some kind of illness going around and um, she decides enough is enough and she tries to um, yeah um, get justice really by proving she's not a witch yes yes but that's quite difficult in my story right. um, and also when it was set. So she just literally tried to yeah, run to the next village to get help. Um, and yeah, when you watch the film, you'll see if she did or not. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so also, was there any kind of local resonance for you? Because I know there was quite a lot of that stuff in Essex and Cambridgeshire and even mm. like where we are now in Stratford. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all over, basically. Like, um, I mean, I we filmed in uh, West Sussex, mm-hmm. um, and there was, I mean, a lot of witch trials, and you know, it went on everywhere, basically. So it was mainly just, um, it was based l- very loosely on a true story, but but mainly about like um, when I researched it, I found a lot of historical content. And so I put a lot of that into the story. So it kind of went away from the, the, the main story I was mm. going to base it on. But Do you have like a kind of spiritual connection when you were filming it in the forest? Did you feel like the history? I, I start, when I was researching it, actually, I, like, I'd write parts of... I actually wrote my first script in about, I don't know, maybe... 
maybe about an hour mm-hmm. um, and it was like then it was like maybe only about five or six pages and then I kind of like then thought right it needs to be correct if it's based on you know historical things so I kind of started to do the research and then I realized that what I'd actually wrote was actually quite correct mm-hmm. so that kind of freaked me out a little bit yeah, and, it's like um, this amazing, <laughs> like, dream. It came to you fully formed. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of started to grow with the people that I was connecting with and that were coming on board and then jumping off and then other people coming on board, you know. It was a really long process, so... How long did it take this when you started writing and uh, yeah. finished the uh, shooting? Well, I actually... Um, I did the first draft about two years ago actually but I didn't really kind of kept on going at it like you know solidly um I kind of put it down for quite a few months and picked it up and you know all that kind of thing and in between like other jobs that I had and stuff but then last year at the start of last year I really started to develop it um with um a couple of people and um and then I was actually supposed to shoot it a couple of times last last year but um we didn't have enough budget so we had to yeah postpone and then other things started to happen so I had to postpone again um and then I started again in January this year and that's when we really started to um knock up the hours and and then um shoot it like about a month ago and what do you think what was the hardest part is it choose the crew numbers crew members or uh, the location or which part you you think is, is it's almost impossible to combination of lots of stuff really I mean as I was the um, the writer the producer and the lead actress it was a lot of work to take on board um, but also because you know I wasn't going to direct it I didn't want to because I had too many things to do um, it was actually quite difficult I mean trying to find a director and I really wanted to find a female director that actually shared the same vision as me and then actually could have a good collaboration with me at the same time. I mean, that's the main thing, really. It's, it's you know, doing all the other bits and pieces is, is okay, but it's actually finding the, the core group of people that actually share your same vision and want to work in the same way. So that is actually the most hardest thing, I think. Was that a difficult process for you as an individual to find the people to work with or do you think it's difficult in general because it's hard to make those contacts and connections? Yeah, I think it's just difficult in general, you know. I mean, any collaboration is, is quite sensitive, like, you know, and, and so, you know, the, 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 the advice, yeah, that I would give is literally just really work with people that have the same vision as you, mm. basically. Because if you don't, then it's just not going to come out how you want really mm. and then it's going to put stress on your um working you know uh collaboration mm. and relationships yeah relationship sure. yeah exactly so yeah so your director is also an actor yes she is yes and uh she was also my flatmate oh. <laughs> and she was actually in the end i finally uh settled on her um and she was the one that actually uh pushed me to make it in the first place yeah, so, so what's her name uh, so uh, she's called Sabine Crossan. Yes. Sabine Crossan. So yes. do you feel like this is a very lucky film all around? You know, yeah. from the, the dream, working with your flatmate as a director, it seems almost blessed. Yeah, well, I mean, like, like if you asked me the same question last year, I think it was cursed. I mean, it <laughs> has, the God, there's been so many curses on this 
film but like I think maybe any filmmaker will say that like for maybe especially their first project but um, no I mean everything happened for a reason all these mm. hurdles mm. I mean and really it was it was weird how when things were right they just flowed really easily mm. um, and I think that that's what happens in life basically you know so yeah definitely there was a lot of like um, synchronicity Mm. when it all started to work so I wanted to say something about curses because um, I think there was a film that we all remember called The Omen and yeah. um, that was one of the most difficult oh, film yeah. productions for oh, a lot of people really? where um, I think it's gone there's like an omen curse where everybody who actually acted in the film has kind of died or suffered like grievously oh. in so many different ways so because there's this issue of if you make films about the occult or Satan, as it were, mm. that the the production is imbued with a sense of things not working out. Mm. So when you was going through this experience, did you feel that there was that kind of shadow over you? I started because it was to about witches. get a bit paranoid thinking that maybe all these witches that have all the women mm. and men that were accused of being a witch so mm. a lot of them weren't actually witches at all and to mm. be honest it's not even bad to actually be a witch mm. it's about if you're just doing black magic dark stuff you know mm. so um yeah no definitely i when the second postponement happened i wasn't seeing i wasn't seeing it coming mm. and i really started to think these women really don't want me to make it <laughs> like really yeah. but then i realized that i'm so glad it didn't happen then because the script wasn't there it was yeah. a completely different script then yeah. and um it, it changed so much and even the ending changed a lot too mm. and i'm really happy with how the script is now mm. when you so say these women yeah. don't want you to make it are you talking <clears throat> about the women who've yes. been unfortunately died and been yeah. as they were accused of witches you think the spirit of that was yeah pulling i really i really started to believe that at one point because mm. i it really started to make me a bit crazy yeah that's mm. <laughs> interesting i was gonna say how, how do you feel about it now like do you do you have some belief in witchcraft or do you think that's all superstition no, I mean, well, I mean, um, a lot of people are superstitious and stuff, you mm. know. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, quite spiritual. I'm not like an atheist or anything. Yeah. Um, but what was the question again? Sorry. Yeah, because like, it's something interesting you picked up on. You yeah. said most of them weren't even witches at all. So that, yeah, so that yeah. would indicate that you, you, you believe that some of them were witches. Yeah, yeah but, but the thing from, is, from it really is it. about that, like, you know, like... Uh, it was a lot to do with, I mean, each era was different, you know, like, you know, in the, in the 1500s, so many were killed. Um, and maybe that was to do with um, a religious persecution because um, the Christian church was trying to be a bit more dominant than the pagans. So, yeah. Um, and I think like with paganism, um, they have a lot of different gods, but a lot of them are quite, a lot of them are female. And if you think with the Christian church, it's based on men. Mm. and patriarchy uh, so um, it was definitely the, that kind of um, persecution and then like later on it was like, female persecution and other things as well so um, yeah yeah so um, yeah I can't remember <laughs> again <laughs> the actual question I kind of yeah, sorry I was, I was talking about the, the front of that but was, um, I was thinking from another side of it this should be an attractive project to directors from a sense of injustice in terms of mm. innocent people being killed 
and there's also the sense of like the witchcraft side of it so do you did your belief system in had changed at all in terms of the witchcraft and mm. the injustice yeah well i kind of i was um researching it a lot mm. and i was um looking at all the different sides of the story you know mm. the religious persecution and the female persecution and then when I started to develop it a bit more the script um, this year I mean all the me too and times up kind of movements started to kick off like as well mm. and um, and it's basically even though it's based on witch accusations and witchcraft and stuff and it's a period drama and it looks like a period drama because of all the old clothes and locations it's actually about um, just you know, like um, the Me Too Times Up movement, really. So mm. did you go back and put in more contemporary resonances because of yeah. what happened with Me Too? Well, I basically, you know, um, it was always about that, to be honest, even actually before that kind of movement started. Um, because actually uh, a lot of women around the world um, are being accused of witchcraft mm. uh, now and are still dying. Um I did the crowdfunder about a year ago and when that was happening there was a 70, 70 year old Peruvian woman um, who actually got burnt at the stake for three days in her village um, because everyone thought that she was a witch. Wow, terrible. Yeah, so um, it's about what's happening today around the world in mm. th those kind of communities but also about, you know, like the, um, the media like try trying to... Um, you know, like manipulate people's minds into think, you know, like pushing you into a certain different mm. side, like, you know, the Brexit and, you know, um, with, you know, Trump and America and that kind of thing as well. So it has a lot of different tangents, but in the end, I had to really cut it back and simplify it because um, sure. it was getting too all over the place, you know. I wanted to say everything, you know, yeah. but in the end, it's literally just about like uh, female persecution and you know the unjust and and justice at the same time it's well. interesting and it's set after witchcraft has been outlawed but still yes. this witch hunting persists yes exactly um because of people's mentalities yeah yeah people's mentalities and just you know big establishments wanted to control people like the media for example but back then it was the church you know and um yeah that's basically it really Interesting. So, how do you feel now when some figures in the media come out and describe Me Too as a witch hunt? Mm, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's complex. Yeah, it's really complex, actually. I read an article about that recently. And um, <clears throat> it's really, it's got two sides to it, you know, because, like, um, I think any thing that comes out like this and then it starts to really generate this monster thing going on, um, people then get, you know, like, kind of go to the bo both sides, you know, and, and then it all gets quite intense. And so I think that it has to go through a, a massive intensity, you know, with like a lot of, um, you know, women and men or like you know people bashing men or bashing women or whatever you know vice versa um before it kind of starts to balance out and then people then really see the core of the matter like you know um 
because it's like it's not about the battle of the sexes you know I mean like I don't even like the word feminist to be honest because it's got a bad um, bad connotation to it like you know and, and to be honest like um, which has also has that same bad kind of thing with it um, it's hard to explain but it's um, it yeah literally um, the, the church made the word witch um, terrible um, and quite a few years ago especially in the 60s 70s whatever you know like uh, radical feminists and stuff you know um, bra burning and stuff like that it was considered quite extreme but actually feminism means just equality yeah. so I wish we could kind of change that word to be honest reclaim the word yeah basically mm. like you know because um, it's not about battle of sexes it's just about being equal so you know and, and the patriarchal thing um, it's, it's bad for everyone really bad for men and, and women you know um, you know like when maybe like a man like you know they want to be just who they are but actually like society says oh no you have to man up you have to be strong you have to be like this and you just yeah you just have to be whoever you want to be really so yeah. yeah we're pretty in touch with our feminine sides great down here. I'm, I'm happy with that <laughs> yeah I mean, i'm ready to put a flower in my hair at any given moment but had uh, you got hair you would do, be doing that right yeah now. exactly that, was that's wrong that's from top I'm, to bottom right? exactly <laughs> i have to i have to put it inside my hair and glasses but um what i was gonna say about me too is um do you think me too has kind of got a bit of a narrow focus where it's spending more time perhaps focusing on the individual perpetrators rather than the culture that's allowing it to happen in terms of like there are people who do not speak up because they don't think the environment or the management structure or the hierarchy allows them to do so um I don't really think it's bad to focus on any one thing to be honest I mean mm. everything you know like um, the individual there's problems with that there's problems with you know the masses you know mm. um, it's just if you want to speak up you do if if you don't you know you can try and do it in a, another kind of way mm. um, yeah so Michelle can I bring you back to the crowdfunding yeah. process can you tell us a little bit more about how that went um, it's a really tough process um, I mean I pretty much did it mostly on my own kind of started to enjoy it to a certain extent but it, you know like after like literally no sleep for like 48 hours like especially when it was closing mm. trying to tweet um, the last tweets before the crowdfunding was uh, finishing actually like I think it was like I think my crowdfunding thing finished about 4am on Christmas Day because wow. Indiegogo was American so it goes by their time so I was tweeting up till about 2am yeah. and I, I got a couple of yeah I got a couple more um, did it go right to the wire? say again sorry? did it go right to the wire like meeting your total? Um, I didn't 100% meet my total um, by Indiegogo but actually with is that why other, you chose Indiegogo? um I liked that you didn't have to reach the total and you still got the money. Okay. Because that would have been too much pressure for me and I actually found it quite um, 
difficult anyway like you know mm. I was like panicking right at the end mm. but actually like um, yeah my craft I, I was really happy with what I got um, and then I got another few thousand in like private donations with other people mm-hmm. so in the end I actually got my original total that I actually wanted so, so can we ask what the target was well um, I wanted 7,000 right um, in the end um, with other things um, I well, I got seven thousand. I put another thousand um, in my own money, and I need another few thousand actually now that we've shot the film um, and going through post production. But you know that always happens. What was so. the biggest expenditure? Um, I think just the yeah the equipment basically the equipment and um, to buy it or hire to hire. Okay. Yeah, the equipment to hire. Um, it, the location was... Oh, so you had to pay actually, for the locations? Yes, not all of the locations, but the majority of them. But I got, like, amazing discounts. Um, I filmed at um, the Wilden Downland Museum in West Sussex, and they were amazing. They gave me a great discount, so that was great. Um, I also um, filmed on National Trust land, mm-hmm. um, and they actually gave it to me for free which was fantastic did you like talk about the historical significance of your film did that help i actually uh talked with um a woman there um and i told her about my story and it was you know a very female-led story so she actually like really got quite hooked on it so i think that really helped me amazing and um and then we also filmed on um waltham brooks uh, nature reserve care of um sussex wildlife and um, they gave me a massive discount as well. So, but all really beautiful locations. Brilliant. People, so. And you had a costume designer. Yes, I had a great costume designer, um, Emma Clark, and um, she really wanted to get back to a sewing machine. Mm. So um, I was donated a lot of um, uh, material uh, for free um, from this shop that was closing down, and so she really wanted to come on board um, to make the costume so that was great as well so I literally I had I had amazing team mm. that was uh, working on the film because they really liked the script they really liked the project and yeah we had a really strong team and it really worked well and actually um, I think about 75% of the film uh, crew were female mm. I didn't intentionally get that but it just kind of happened from me being you know a female producer I had another female producer helping me um, also a female DOP Tanya Framuth and um, and the director oh, <laughs> amazing <laughs> and yourself the script and me so yeah and lots of other people so <laughs> and, uh, how many days was the, uh, how many days was the shootings it was three days but we went down there the day before and we came back the day after so three days in total so Going back to what you're saying about the the 75% female cast uh, yeah. and sorry, crew as yeah. well, uh, it was almost like you were doing what they've announced at the Oscars before it happened, which was the inclusion riders of mm. having a, a diverse cast and crew policy. Um, did you feel there was a change of atmosphere mm. because of this on set? Yeah, um I did actually, and a lot of other people actually said so too. I mean, I wasn't really so really like thinking about it too much because yeah. I was doing so much, yeah. and I was extremely tired. Yeah. Um, but actually, um, so my um, basically, 
a lot a lot of the male um, crew members actually came up to us and said that mm. they noticed and felt like you know more of a synergy with everyone and, and it being more calmer on set as well mm. and I wasn't really aware of it too much but then when people started to talk about it then I was like mm. okay yeah that's yeah I noticed mm. it but I just kind of took it for granted when it was happening really mm. um, but it also made um, I think it also made it more um, more of a creative process and not just like yeah. getting the job done like yeah. a lot of uh, men kind of tend to want to do type thing you know so yeah. it was definitely yeah quite calm yeah. and um, and also my um, my director um, Sabine um, she's been she's done a few short films now she's about to do her first uh, feature film in France and she had a lot of like major troubles actually with um, the men uh, working on set with her mm. in her last films. Um, they they didn't really give her as much respect and they didn't listen to her as much. Mm. Um, but actually on this film, um, she really noticed that a lot more people were just listening to her and yeah. respecting what she was saying. So. That so that probably really changed the dynamics as well. So, so just to be clear, her role was director, director photographer. Yes. Oh, director. No, no, director. Sabine Crossing okay. was the director. So, yeah. Because the I mean the interesting thing is without doing it intentionally, mm. you've kind of done something which is quite unique and groundbreaking in terms of what uh, BFI and the Film Council are looking for in terms of, and the UK Film Council I think in terms of mm. having more diversity and bringing more female filmmakers to the production set in let's say senior position yeah. senior creative positions yeah. you know and so did you was this something because because you was directing and producing uh, no, um, sorry producing because you was producing and writing and, writing <laughs> and acting obviously yeah. uh, was this something that you could only realise at the end of the shoot or as you was getting the call sheet together and making all the contacts you think this is going to be something completely different to what I've worked on before well, I mean, this is my first short film that I've written and produced. I mean, I've been yeah. in a lot of short films, acting them and stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't um, intentionally um, mm. look for getting yeah. um, mostly, like, film um, female crew. Yeah. But it just happened because of getting the key um, female, like, um, heads of department, basically. Mm. It all, I don't know, it just... Mm. they just recommended other people and they mm. just happened to be women okay. you know so yeah and one other thing um, you did something quite unique that you don't see on a lot of short films which is quite caring and considerate mm. you actually provided accommodations yes. for the individuals who were cast and crew members yeah uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that came about oh, well I mean uh, because we were filming outside of London you know, I had to house people, basically. I mean, it's just a standard thing because um, it was um, expenses um, expenses only. It was no pay because um, we didn't have enough budget to actually pay everyone. I mean, I did a lot of funding applications, always unsuccessful um, because it was quite an ambitious project. Can you and name drop any of the uh, funding applications that didn't come through for you? I mean, there, was, there you? was so many. I did about seven, eight of them, wow. to be honest. Like, you know, and it was... Yeah, I mean, it, it was good anyway to actually fill out all those um, applications because you really start to um, understand really what you want to focus on in the project. Mm. Um, and then it's, um, it, it helps you to pitch it better as well. Mm. Um, 
so just for yourself it's really great doing that but it is very time consuming mm. and you know there's too many people applying because I mean yeah. there's so many there's not enough like government funding for this you know yeah. so um, unfortunately you know so in the end you just have to kind of do it and fund it yourself so yeah I would have needed even just to pay people like a minimum pay I would probably have needed about another £8,000 really because I had like um, 38 members of crew and and cast Mm. but um, I was able to really um, find a National Trust bunkhouse um, that was really cheap and it was um, the kitchen and everything like that so I also saved on um, you know like um, the food and stuff because my mum and my stepsister kindly did the catering Mm. so that's the top (laughs) tip right there yeah (laughs) exactly so we had amazing catering um, that must have helped to keep everyone cooked happy. Cooked breakfast, yeah. um, cooked lunches, cooked dinners. But I'm sure the communal living probably helped build the I think, team and, and spirit and camaraderie. And also that helped as well, yeah, definitely. Like um, because everyone was there together instead of going back to their, you know, like common, you know, um, houses and then come back again the next mm. day. Um, yeah, that definitely built up some kind of energy mm. with everyone, and it was kind of like a, a family type thing mm. for those few days it was actually really amazing i suppose for a period drama you need this kind of segregated community away from the community so they can just feel like this is the their real world and this is their uh lifestyle and these are their local people they connect with before they Mm. bring those performances or bring that attitude onto the set yeah yeah Yeah. but it was just really it it was very basic accommodation but it was um yeah really good fun to be there and stuff and um yeah it was just really amazing to shoot and it kind of blew me away the whole experience so yeah great fun um so you said in total is it was a three-day shoot yes when did that take place um the end of june this year oh really yeah literally just a month of it oh yeah. nice so yeah oh, that's, that's fantastic so we're now basically in post-production post-production and w- what has been the main issue in terms of finding someone that will conduct the edit for you is uh well actually we were very extremely lucky and um the the other producer that was helping me um she um she knew from another previous job um a very very good um editor yeah he's called uh Kant Pan mm. um this Hong Kongese guy that's been living here for a while and uh he's Oscar nominated actually um, what has Camp Pan worked on before? Crying Game. Yes, the Crying Game. Yes, exactly. So um, yeah, we luckily he really liked the script, yeah. so he came on board. So he's editing it for us. Yeah. I, I've got. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's really great. Um, it's, it's editor is very very important in the film. Oh, completely. Everyone is, but we we were just we we're just very lucky that like everyone likes the project. Um, and that's the main reason that's what I wanted you know I just didn't want people you know just doing it just because they want a credit or whatever or Mm. they're getting paid or something like that I really wanted people to be on the project because you know it's a passion project for me and it's a passion project for everyone else as well Um, I have one random question how's your Japanese is it fluent Oh no, 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 no! I mean, it's been eleven years now, basically. So. Um, oh, yeah. but did, did at at the time were you? Did, was it? I wasn't an conversational expert in it, no. level. <laughs> I mean, like, oh. um, because basically, when you're teaching English, mm. um, you're not allowed to uh, speak 
you know, the, that language in, really? in class. No, you have to Oh, well, yeah, but outside of it, though. D- yeah, yeah, I mean, I can get by. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, mean, I was pretty lazy. I mean, living in um, Tokyo, um, you really don't have to 100% speak Japanese. You're basic, you know. Mm. Um, and then reading and writing, like, um, the hiragana and katakana, like the... Um, the two Japanese alphabets helps mm. as well, so mm. you can read signs and menus mm. and stuff. But um, but I could I could get by basically. Oh, okay, that's <laughs> but cool. Yeah, no, pretty pretty um, bad at languages. Yeah, not good. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> Dom. You... So, what's the plan going forwards for the film? So yeah, so we're still in uh, post production. Uh, we got another um, um, another few um, sessions with uh, Kant. The editor. Um, then we need to find a um, a sound editor to uh, touch up the sounds. This is um, where you need all that money on the back end. Yeah, exactly. Or you know, if people are very interested in the project, please contact me. <laughs> you can contact me. We hope we can do that Facebook for you. Seriously, page, the seriously. Film. <laughs> if anyone would like to donate um, to the film, please get in touch. We're in contact. Are there any hashtags or we're, websites to look at? Well, just um, the Facebook page, the Wickshot film. Um, also Instagram, the same thing. Um, yeah, so we're literally just uh, we're in contact with two composers already, which is great. Um, we're looking for a color grader, um, and yeah, that's all the kind of post production. And stuff have you earmarked do. any festivals that you want to go for? Uh, I haven't really like one hundred percent thought about it too much. I mean, I've I've um, I've been I'm regularly being emailed um, different types of festivals and stuff all throughout the whole year. So you've had like some invites to premiere well, at festivals. Well, no, like this. Um, I can't remember the um, the website actually, but they email you when all these different submissions are going mm-hmm. on. You know, so that's good. So I've just been bookmarking them. Um, but the director, she's um, she's gone through this po- process quite a, quite a few times. So. Um, She's going to be helping me working on that basically as well. So, but you know, I really want to go for like the the really good ones. Like you know, I mean, everyone wants to go for Khan, <laughs> Trebekah, you know, Rain Dance. Absolutely. You know, like yeah, literally just um, we're going to uh, do some kind of like plan of um, checking out to see which festivals um, our film would work best in basically. So, and get the most like um, most people to watch it really. So. Yeah. What do you think was your biggest achievement in making this? I mean, was it creating the mutually supportive atmosphere or was it actually, you know, yeah. bringing that story out to the public? All of it, really. You know, I mean, I, I was blown away on the first day of set uh, in the first scene. Um, the crew was setting up uh, an hour before and the, the main cast and me, we went up there. And, um, you know, the, all the costumes were absolutely amazing and all the crew were setting up everything. And the um, uh, the set designer had done her thing as well, and I just stood there and I was like, "Oh my god, I, I just couldn't believe what was happening. It was actually coming true." So I can't ever forget that, you know, that moment, you know. Mm. And then actually, um, the stills photographer Al Overdrive, he he came up to me and said, "Oh, like you know, like um, oh, even the BBC's here." And I kind of like just laughed. I was like, "Oh, come on." And he said, no, look, the BBC van, it's, uh, they're going to interview you soon. And it was actually true. Wow. <laughs> BBC Sussex uh, came up and interviewed us uh, just before we were about to do the first, uh, the first take. And we actually had um, um, a famous guy, um, Ian Reddington, um, 
who was uh, the main um, witch hunter guy, the clergyman. Mm. So it was amazing to get him on board as well. And he was great. Yeah, what would we know Ian Reddington from? Uh, EastEnders, Tricky Dicky, um, okay. Coronation Street, um, Shameless. So all, he's got some history for playing a bit of a bad guy. Yeah, he's really good at doing it as well. Cool. But he's, he's, but he's not bad mm. at all in real life. <laughs> he's, he's a really cool guy. Amazing. So when do you think we will be able to see your film? Um, hopefully by the end of this year. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Next like, yeah, Fantastic. It's, it's kind of going pretty fast, actually. Um, yeah, a lot of people just really helping us out. And um, we definitely want to um, target all the film festivals from January next year, like a fresh start, fresh, you know. Yeah, so, um, yeah, hopefully by the end Yeah, of the we're show. definitely going to look out for it. And yeah. we will keep all of our listeners, or two of them, hi mum, up to speed <laughs> about how the film is going. Thanks very much. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'd say, I'd like to say congratulations and uh, well done on uh, this journey that you've been on with The Wick, because I know that you've had some obstacles, uh, yeah. personal and professional, just trying to get this over the line in terms of getting people to believe in your project, getting people to fund the project and actually taking it as far as you can in terms of uh, production and I, I'm really glad to kind of see that you're on the other side of this with the battle scars and the armour as yeah. it were to kind of, of go scars. into your next venture. <laughs> lots of tears, <laughs> lots of breakdowns, <laughs> like, yeah it was actually really intense. I mean, after this film, I mean, where do you see yourself, if this question uh, is not too similar to the other ones, uh, in like a year or two years' time? Like, what would you be your ideal position to be in two years' time? Um, I don't know. I, I just kind of go with the flow, to be honest. Um, yeah. Like, just whatever comes at me, really. I mean, I would. You know, I actually did this film to try and get more acting roles, to be okay. honest. Like, you know, so I'd love to do a lot more of that. Sure. But after actually writing and producing this um short I actually I'm quite interested in maybe directing okay. um, a short film next okay. so um, yeah sure yeah wow that's amazing uh, thank you <laughs> well, all power to you I hope that goes well thank you very much thanks guys <laughs> oh yeah um, there you go <laughs> Michelle thank you so much for joining us today no problem thank you thank you very much <laughs> Michelle thank you so um, if you want to find out more about uh, Geek Sweat as the podcast, we are available now on CastBox FM. We're also available on Stitcher. And we are still waiting for the boys at Apple to fix us up with an iTunes. So if you need to find us on any podcast channel, please do the hashtag Geek Sweat. That's hashtag G-E-E-K-S-W-E-A-T. You can also hashtag Geek Sweat for us on Twitter and Facebook and we also go by the hashtags trailer trash talk hot topic and inspiration interview that'll do <laughs> and hot, hot uh, chocolate incidents chocolate incidents oh you can also look for diva cups as well on Instagram um, so uh, you've been listening Long story <laughs> so you have been listening to the delightful Dom goodbye and uh, the attractive Akosh. Thank you, guys. Uh, the marvelous MKH Inc. Bye bye. And the tremendous Trevor. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Please look forward to listening to us again soon. We listen to we watch films, so you don't have to. And listen to them. <laughs>